1: Across the Gulf South. It's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Capital Community Media.
2: Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Friday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with David Dawson and Damian Clotto. Happy Friday, guys. You Happy made it. Happy Friday
3: indeed. Yay. Yes, <laughs> now I'm trying to slow the week down a little bit. You know, no, as Christmas good approaches, it's like we made it. It's like no, no, slow down. Uh, the pace is <laughs> picking oh. up. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. In fact, uh, next time we meet, we'll have three candles lit on this Advent wreath.
4: That's right. So. Third Sunday's coming up, and a fire extinguisher mm-hmm. uh, handy, <laughs> sort of like what they had at Notre Dame <laughs> Seminary last I night. I saw that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah really a little. Uh, some of the hay caught. Bale hay has caught fire because of it, a little electrical. Something. short or something short there. and mm-hmm. uh cause uh father Rodriguez to get out there with a fire extinguisher and some fire trucks showed up put the fire out so so the nativity was okay though it's yes. just a the nativity hey it was good. good yeah yeah so, that's uh, good to know but it was a scare yeah but that's okay they took mm-hmm. care of it quickly and today mm-hmm. is the feast day of blessed mary frances shravir and so we're going to offer up a prayer on her behalf in the name of the father son holy spirit amen To you, O Lord, we lift up our hearts and voices by the holy example of your servant, Blessed Mary Frances Shrevere. May we grow in love for the poor and sick, devoting our lives to seeking you in prayer and in the face of those who are suffering. By imitating her love for simplicity, may we shun the lure of wealth and prestige in this life and seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Amen. We have a wonderful lineup for you today. Starting off at 10 after, we have events in our listening area we want to give you details about. You can find all of these events at our website calendar at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Susie McKenzie joins us. She is a Catholic wife and mother, and today she joins us at 18 past the hour on our Conversion Corner segment. She's going to be telling us her story on what brought her to the Catholic faith. So looking forward to speaking to Susie, and she's no stranger to Catholic community radio. Looking mm-hmm. forward to having her yeah. back on the microphone. Yeah, a family member there. Yeah. Yes. In 35 minutes, Michael Lichens joins us. He's a Catholic author, and today we're going to be talking about angels with his new book, Encounters with Angels, the Invisible Companions of Our Spiritual Life. So looking forward to that conversation uh-huh. with Michael and asking him all the questions we may have. And in 48 minutes, Father Dwight Longenecker joins us once again. He's a pastor at Our Lady of Holy Rosary in Greenville, South Carolina, and he has a new book called The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds, perfect for this time of year Mm -hmm. as we prepare for Christmas, and I believe we are 10 days out, you guys, because someone changed our countdown this morning, and that shocked me. We're 10 days out, so get ready.
4: We're going to uh, talk about the Bethlehem Shepherds. So <laughs> yeah, well, get ready get for excited. a cloudy day. Yay. Okay, I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> All right, it's going to be a cloudy day today. Weather-wise, <laughs> may not excite you too much. Uh, maybe some hints of sunshine on occasion. Winds are going to be out of the east right now at 10 to 15 miles an hour. That's wow. going to create a chilly day with a high of 68 a low of 58, so not a whole lot of fluctuation temperature-wise for today. 15% chance of showers, but I see nothing on the radar that should affect us throughout the day, not until tomorrow where we will have an 80% chance of rain, heavy in some areas. And because of that wind, a high is going to be 62. Sunday, things clear up. Winds will shift to the uh, north-northwest at 10 to 15, keeping things cool and currently, temperatures right now in and around our area, everybody in the 50s. Covington's the lowest, it's 50 degrees. New Orleans, 55, as well as home at Thibodeau. It's five after the hour on this Friday morning. Come back to Wake Up.
5: A good Friday of the second week of Advent. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in the marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect.
6: After manifesting his messianic identity to the disciples of John the Baptist, Jesus turns his attention to the tepid faith of his contemporaries. He illustrates their woeful spiritual condition by quoting a sing-song refrain of children at play. We, that is Jesus and John, played the flute for you. We sang a dirge, that is a lamentation. John came as a voice crying in the desert. Jesus was the voice of the bridegroom. Yet, most of their contemporaries gave the same response, other indifference. They refused either to dance with rejoicing or to beat their breasts in mourning and repentance. John preached the necessity of penance, mourning, and self-denial. He was accused of being possessed by a demon, as was evidence by his extreme discipline. John was viewed as one too gloomy and negative in his condemnation of the world's vanities. So the response was, Ah, oh, don't depress us, John. Just leave us to our self-contentment. Then Jesus came, the Son of Man, playing the flute of divine joy, eating and drinking with everyone. They accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of sinners. Their response to Jesus was similar. Oh, don't try to make us rejoice. Just leave us to our self-contentment. God's kingdom demands intense spiritual activity. It is the realm where all the soul's powers are activated and harmonized to form a chorus to the glory of God. One enemy of the kingdom is spiritual acedia, that is, extreme sloth, listlessness, indifference, and laziness. John and Jesus enticed their contemporaries to enter into the mind of God and exercise the highest freedom possible by playing the game of life for the kingdom? The people responded with apathy because they clung to their earthbound existence with its distorted values. Thus, whoever rejects renunciation or spiritual joy also rejects the effort required for an interior transformation. And then by default, we and they remain trapped in prejudices, mediocrity, self-justification, or worse. So, how do we judge ourselves? Have a wonderful day.
4: This is Jimmy Sagers. Thank you, Jimmy. Ten after the hour here on Wake Up. Happy Friday morning, everyone. So glad you could join us. Events coming up you may want to take note of. The coming, this coming Monday, December 18th at 7 o'clock, Dr. Amy Goodyear will be speaking at St. George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge on the topic of relics and the fascinating bodies of the saints. The presentation will take an in-depth look at relics as well as the bodies of saints, and they have been studied using modern technology of today as to what you can learn from that. So if you're interested in relics and of our saints, go ahead and check that out at St. George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge, 7 o'clock Monday.
3: She's really good. She's, she's done Eucharistic miracles. It's been fantastic. So I highly recommend it. This Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., Holy Family Catholic School in Lafayette invites those in community and in, well, and well Acadiana to help pack 40,000 meals to be shipped to families in dire need in Haiti. This is a great opportunity to make a difference and show your support to those facing food insecurity. This event's going to take place at Holy Family School, located at 200 St. John Street in Lafayette, and it's from 9 to 1, and it's sponsored by Cross Catholic Outreach. We've worked with them in the past. From 9 to 1, packing 40,000 meals. I'd like to go just see how that is done. Oh, I thought you were going to say to eat one of the meals. No. No, then there would be less than 40,000. That's right. That wouldn't work. So and That would be selfish. And I don't need that. That's right.
2: Well, we're taking it over from Lafayette to to the Gulf Coast in Past Christian, Mississippi. You're invited to join the SVD laity of Our Mother of Mercy Catholic Church in Past Christian as they will host a healing mass on Friday. Uh, well, it actually happens every third Friday of every month. They celebrate a Eucharistic Mass of healing with prayer and praise, followed by individual prayers by the laity prayer team. So take a look at our website. Uh, again, this monthly service happens every third Friday of, of the month. Okay.
4: Uh, Our Lady of Hope in Camp Chattawa are presenting Christmas in Chattawa, and that's going to be December 16th, which is this sunday live nativity pancake break is that sunday or tomorrow uh tomorrow i'm sorry it's tomorrow so you really need to take note but christmas in chatter is going to have live nativity pancake breakfast train rides caroling hay rides santa and mrs claus they got reservations they're going to be there reindeer games crafts hot chocolate bar wow you can go from 9 to 12 tomorrow $20 per person, uh, but you get to take part in all those things, and it's a good fundraiser for Camp Chattawa and Our Lady of Hope. Reindeer Games.
3: Yeah. Okay. I wonder what that is. All right. All right. Uh, St. Peter Catholic Church in Covington invites all children to their 9.30 a.m. mass this Sunday for the blessing of baby Jesus. And then uh, St. George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge is going to have a blessing of Bambinelli at at their mass this weekend, is when you bring your little uh, nativity Jesus, Jesus to mm-hmm. there to be yes. blessed. So, and I know it's a big tradition in Rome. I'm glad it's coming to to the states. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: love that. That's well, cool. Well, Saint Anselm Catholic Church in Madisonville will have an Elf Night this Saturday from six to eight p.m. in Saint Joseph's Hall. All students from sixth grade on up are invited to an evening of elf fun games a movie food and more it's sponsored by the saint anselms cyo all you have to do is show up take your elf on the shelf this saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. actually you're not supposed to touch your elf oh don't touch your elf okay. because the magic disappears don't, don't touch it touch it elf oh, let man. him do i must have don't touch it of just show up
7: okay. yeah, <laughs>
4: yeah. How, why, why don't you touch him real quick yeah
2: i mean because the the magic disappears he does oh. something Quirky every day, okay. Because that's just who he is. But if you touch is. him, it's over. You can't touch him. It's over. All right.
4: Don't oh, touch good. Him. Keep hmm. that elf on
2: Unless the you shelf. she can kind of like, yeah, talk to your mom if you have, but don't try not to. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December fifteenth. Today we celebrate Blessed Mary Frances Schravir. She came from a family of some means. But Blessed Mary Frances Xavier spent her life serving gods poor, sick, and aged. Born in Germany in 1819, she ran the family household at age 16, following the death of her mother and her two older sisters. In her mid-twenties, she became a secular Franciscan. At age 26, she and four companions established a religious community devoted to caring for the poor. The Sisters of the Poor of St. Francis were formally approved in 1851. In less than a decade, they had a foundation in the United States. Mother Frances, as she was called, first visited the U.S. in 1863, working alongside her sisters to nurse soldiers wounded in the Civil War. She returned a few years later to oversee the foundation of several hospitals. Her sisters continue to operate hospitals and homes for the aged around the world. In our day and often throughout the ages, the sick, the poor, the aged have often been regarded as useless members of society. Blessed Mary Frances and people motivated by her ideals remind us of the God-given dignity of every human being. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
2: Team Passy Hour, you're tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Dancing David Dawson and Damian Calato. It's a
3: cool song. We're
2: just loving this music. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff Blackwell, for making it happen. <laughs> Looking forward to our first guest today. Susie McKenzie joins us. She is no stranger to Catholic community radio. Right. She's a Catholic wife and mother, and she joins us today for our Conversion Corner segment to tell us about her story on what led her to the Catholic faith. Susie, welcome back. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank
8: you, Gabby. It's such a pleasure. Exciting. It,
2: it is exciting. Susie is a ball of energy. And if you're not awake, you will after Susie's segment, (laughs) you will be inspired. Susie, (laughs) tell us, start from the beginning. Susie, Susie, I want to, I want to make sure we have enough time because uh, you've been on the kingdom road. You've talked about your story, you and Lisa flood start from the beginning. What was it that led you to the Catholic faith?
8: Well, see, I was raised in the Catholic faith. I am a Catholic schoolgirl the whole bit. What led me away first was uh, a friend involved in the evangelical world, and you know what? Um, I think now about how hard my parents worked to put five kids to Catholic school, and I literally just, I just didn't have that strong, those roots that were deep. And I was really led away by the slightest little, <laughs> the little fat flashy things that say, you know, life can be different. You can know this, you can know that. And um, I, of course I look back on it now and see that it was my own weakness that led me away. But it was, I was led away to the born again evangelical world. And I stayed there for about 14 years.
2: Hmm. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, I, um, Go ahead.
8: Oh, I was just going to say, I, I realize now, of course, so many years later, that we really are um, enticed by things that just aren't true, and, and they literally are counterattacks or attacks against the truth of the Catholic Church, the one true Church. And it made life, to me, seem simpler. I could get the answers, I thought, that just made more sense to me and my wise seventeen-year-old brain,
7: <laughs> and
8: um, <laughs> and and of course, it stayed that way till I was thirty-two, almost thirty-three, and you know, it, it, I really did stay adrift, if you will, for all those years of going from one evangelical church to the next. And what I realize mm-hmm. now is that there is a security, a safety, and a sturdiness of the Catholic Church, that when we say it doesn't change, yes, people change, and interpretations may change, but the truth of the Catholic Church, the one true Mm -hmm. Church founded by Christ, does not change. Mm -hmm. Whereas I look back now and realize that all these other churches I would go to were really, uh, if I dare say, were kind of making it up as they went along. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though that seemed so attractive at the time, it was a shiny thing for me. It was a, you know, the dog in the movie up, squirrel. (laughs) Oh, this one looks good. Uh, Let's go to this one. And yet, you know, it was all the typical things, Gabby. It was the, Mary was just a special person. She wasn't perpetually virgin. Jesus had siblings. You know, it was all of that taken out of context, scripture that was used against me and I fell for it. It was the, you don't need to go to a priest to confess your sins, Christ Jesus says in the Bible, Nicole, no one father, all the typical litany of untruths Mm
7: -hmm. that
8: led me away, and I just didn't have that catechesis, if you will, but you know what, I don't want to blame this on anyone else. I allowed myself to be led away. I was looking for fun. I did like the whole praise and worship scene. I wanted something that seemed easier.
3: Susie, do you, do you think it was—I uh, uh, I know mine was a combination, like, like you were just describing. The reason—I I, I didn't say I left the Catholic faith, but I, I, I wandered off, for, for sure. And it was because—was uh, I, I was, was it for you a lack of formation— a lack of education, a lack of uh, of what was presented to us theologically, or was it complacency? Because I can tell you, I, it was both for me. I mean, at that age, really? it kind of mm. didn't matter. So so what was it for you?
8: It was not complacency, David. Okay. Because I, I you did have this... Mm-hmm. I was looking, mm-hmm. and then when Scripture was introduced to me, of course, unfortunately, from the Sola Scriptura standpoint, you know, not oh, okay. coupled with tradition, okay, oh. Um a scripture did speak to me, and I did. Um, I remember going to <laughs> Dollar General store and buying my first Bible. Of course, okay. it was a James Bible, right? <laughs> well,
3: you know, it's, was, it's cheaper because it had know, less books, you know.
8: Of so. course, <laughs> and it was like this thin paper thing. It was pitiful. And uh, as in, you know, when I think back to my 17-year-old self, David, it, it was not complacency, you know. We had a kind of a tumultuous home life, but no, no blame here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. life is difficult in a big family, yeah. and there are challenges. And I realize that now. <laughs> um, and you know, my parents did the best they could. I mean, they had devout faith. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother was mm-hmm. unwavering in her Catholic faith, but it was a, a lack of catechesis and formation, David, because mm-hmm. it was the seventies. Yes, yes, and. I you know, there was a lot of kumbaya hand holding yes. yes. and and which is lovely. It can that could be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in mm. our lives, mm. right? But it certainly didn't give me the tools I needed to fight against it. And that yes. catechesis came later when I returned to the church at the age of thirty two and I basically relearned every well, didn't relearn, learned it for the first time what the truths of the faith were, like Mm -hmm. those really nuts and bolts things that Mm -hmm. weren't the touchy-feely kumbaya stuff. Mm -hmm. It was, no, this is when it happened. This is how it happened. This is the council that decided what Holy Scripture is. Mm -hmm. Like, most Mm -hmm. people don't even know that it was a council of bishops. It was actually the Catholic Church that decided on inspired Scripture. I didn't know that, (laughs) you know? So, Susie, what what brought you
4: back to the Catholic faith at 32?
8: Oh, well, David, you know, I was married by then. I got married at 26. My husband was raised Episcopalian in California. I was living in California. And California has no limit of churches and different philosophies and places to go. (laughs) It is limitless. So we ended up at a church um, in a lovely beach town in Southern California, and it was a service. There one morning, my children were—they're um, 17 months apart, so they were like—I don't know—three. Molly was maybe four months. My son was 18 months. Do you do the math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't do the math in my head. <laughs> and something happened in church that there were these testimonies being given, and all of a sudden the light went on, and I thought to myself, "This is insane. These people are saying things." that I just can't believe they're they're putting this on God as having led them to these wacky decisions. And, mm. you know, to them, they weren't wacky. They were just extreme, and there was something about it that just triggered in me this lack of reasonable thinking. Mm. Oh. And I leaned over to my husband in the middle of this service, and I said, and pardon me, I know this may not sound very charitable, but this is what I said. I said, these people are nuts. I'm going back to the Catholic Church. Okay. And, he, and he looked at me, because there had never been any discussion about the Catholic Church. He had never been Catholic. Mm, okay. <laughs> and within one month, because of the study of history, my husband is a history buff. Oh. Funny, as an Episcopalian, he knew nothing about Henry VIII, um, strangely enough. That's huh. meant to be a joke. And, um. <laughs> he, no, it's, they don't talk about him. Much. I'm with you. Go ahead. And, <laughs> and and so within a month, he he made a decision to convert back to the Catholic Church. I started oh listening to goodness. Scott Hahn. I went to some Tim Staples conferences. Oh, there you go. I went to Rosalind uh, Moss. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Was uh, right. that her first name? I, yeah, I it's, it's Rosalind.
3: Yeah, it's Rosalind. Yeah. Now, now she's sister she was Mary. Still Rosalind Moss. Right, right. Uh-huh. Yes.
8: she's actually a a nun now, Um, but she was a new convert Mm -hmm. at the time. I went to things by her. It was just this, basically this, you know, fast track. I couldn't get enough. I I, I loved what I was hearing, and within about, we went through an abbreviated um, catechesis, Mm -hmm. and RCIA, for six months at a church in Southern California, and we... Uh, I had nine sacraments in one day. Yeah. About eight months later, mm. and my wow. children were baptized. <laughs> my marriage was blessed. I had my first confession back. My husband had. My husband insisted on being rebaptized, even though the priest guaranteed him his baptism mm. was valid. He said, "But if you, in your conscience, would like," it. he said, "No, I want it all. I want to have a clean mm. slate." And so, That's my beautiful. husband received every sacrament necessary. For us to have our marriage blessed in the church, and um, it was an absolutely celebratory way. But it really was a point at which I believe now the Holy Spirit just kind of pulled back the curtain. Yeah, and it's said, incredible. "Look, you, you, you need the sacraments. You need the Eucharist. You need." You need the order mm-hmm. of the church. There's a beauty in the order of the church. Absolutely. It's meant Absolutely, yes.
2: Susie, you are absolutely right. What an inspiring story, and I hope that so many people got to listen to it today. Thank you so much for being with us today, Susie McKenzie, yeah. Catholic wife and mother. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a happy rest of your Advent, and a Merry Christmas to you and your family.
8: Thank you. Happy Happy Advent to you as well.
2: All right, Stay with us. We have more coming for you after the break. More good stuff coming after the break. Michael Legends joins us to talk about angels. It's half past the hour on Wake Up.
4: 35 after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Damien Collado, Gabby Smith, and David Dawson with you. With us now, Michael Lynchens. He is a Catholic author. He is also um, a gentleman who spends a lot of his time editing, writing, and researching great works in the Catholic literature. Appeared on EWTN many times, as well as on radio, TV, and podcast. And we're glad to have him with us this morning. Good morning, Michael.
5: Good morning, David. Thank you so much for having me today.
4: Yeah, so the book, Encounters with Angels, the Invisible Companions of Our Spiritual Life. Whew, where do you want to start? <laughs> 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 well,
5: I think it's perfect to start right now. We're in the Christmas season. Many people are seeing angels as part of their decorations. Mm-hmm. And this might be the only time people think of angels, but they play a very intricate role in our life.
4: So much so, I agree. Uh, A while back, I never thought much of even our guardian angel. And even Mm -hmm. as a kid, you say the guardian angel prayer, Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't think much about them. But everybody has one, I discovered. and And a nun told me, you really need to meditate and pray and reflect on finding out your angel's name. Have you ever heard of that? I have heard
5: of that. I've never done that myself, though.
4: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I was just curious if you had. So let's talk about angels. One thing I did not know until I started looking at the book was the fact that there's various levels of angels. Share with our listeners about that.
5: Absolutely. So there are nine choirs of angels, and each of those choirs is divided into three groups. You have the thrones, the dominions, and the powers as well as the seraphim and the cherubim, those are the higher levels, and especially the cherubim, their job is to praise God for who he is, and they're the ones that we imitated in the liturgy. They're also the ones that invisibly sing during the liturgy. Uh, St. Bridget said that if we could hear the seraphim, their singing would shake the earth, Mm. but we don't often hear them, even though they are, in fact, participating in Mass with us.
4: Yeah. Wonder if to that's, to
5: the lower level.
4: wonder if that's where what? earthquakes would come in. Mm.
5: <laughs> no. Angelic earthquakes. That's right. yeah. Angels are, singing. I mean, I mean, yes, angels that's are
4: singing and the earth <laughs> shaking. You, you I, mean, I just first that's thought it come somewhere. to my mind. Yes, anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to distract, <laughs> but it could be. Oh, no, not at all.
5: As you get to the lower level, that's where you get the archangels that we hear so much about, the seven, namely, uh, and the three we just celebrated back in September. Gabriel, Raphael, and Michael, these are the ones that are specifically geared towards humanity, and they intervene for God, on God's behalf. And then we have the lowest order, the guardian angels, which, as we talked about at the beginning, there's one assigned to each and every one of us. There are also angels assigned to countries to act as a, or cities to act as a guardian. Hmm. So God gives us all angels in wow. many ways
4: that and, and, and I did again didn't realize that till you start diving into the book and and let's talk a little bit about the purpose of the book. What made you suddenly sure. want to share with everyone the the history and the background of angels themselves because it, it's it's an interesting part of our faith, but often overlooked
5: mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm going to admit I am one of those Catholics who until a couple of years ago I just never thought that much about angels, and I personally didn't think much about it until I was researching and writing about Father Gabriel Amorth, who's Mm -hmm. probably the world's most famous exorcist, Mm -hmm. and he greatly emphasized angels and the role our guardian angel plays in our lives, as well as the role of St. Michael in spiritual warfare, and suddenly I was like, oh yeah, these are real, not just real, but they're active participants in our spiritual life. Mm Mm-hmm to a point where I've heard the guardian angel called our personal patron saint, and I think that's exactly it.
4: Yeah, and I think thank God for angels, right? Because uh, one of the things uh, that we need to be aware of is angels can assist us in times of temptation.
5: They absolutely can. Uh, They can assist you, especially in the realm of prayer. You might not think about it, but your guardian angel is one of the best people that can pray for you day in and day out and especially when we're overcome with temptations uh this world has a lot it wants to offer us Mm -hmm. if we can call upon our guardian angel to help us to strengthen us to remind us of what it is we're actually working for
3: michael this is this is david jumping in um you know uh, the the scripture that i read and such you know, a lot of people, we do see angels as, 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 as beautiful creatures, you know, like you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. We decorate our houses with mm-hmm. them and everything, and they have wings and all. What I'm reading in scriptures is pretty much every time these guys <laughs> show up, all right, something mm-hmm. something that tremendous mm-hmm. happens, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, a, a city is destroyed. Uh, a virgin is going to give birth. That's going to completely change her her life, you know. Uh, t- <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about that.
5: Absolutely, no. When <laughs> angels show up, they're usually there to carry out the will and the plan of God. And many times when they appear as themselves, the first thing you'll notice in Scripture that the angels say is, Be not afraid. Be not afraid yes, somebody's yeah. scared. Yes. Yeah, well, good, for good reason. <laughs> yeah. uh, the higher angels are described as many-eyed, many-winged, and full of flame, fire and Right, rain yeah. frightening thing to encounter yeah.
3: <laughs> I could imagine yeah. I can imagine and and then it's going to tell you something that's going to turn your world entirely upside down, so uh,
4: that's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Michael, when, when in writing the book, what I discovered is you're, you're giving almost like an eyewitness account of the biblical scripture stories in your book, Encounters, and uh, with angels, it, and it really brings the reader into the scene. I love the way you write and, and you develop that throughout the book.
5: Now, one of the things I absolutely love about the book and researching stories of the saints is how many times saints had like a personal friendship with their angels uh, like Padre Pio would even tell people save money on postage. Just send me your guardian angel; they'll mm-hmm. get to me faster. <laughs> I
4: like that. No, and it's true. I, I, I truly once you develop a relationship with your guardian angel, they become your best friend.
5: <laughs> they absolutely do, and they become. Well, I love that phrase of personal patron saint because they are there to make sure you get to heaven, and they'll do what they have to to do so.
4: Wow. Yeah. Now, the book is divided up into three parts, angels, mm-hmm. uh, servants, uh, messengers of God, angels in the liturgy, and uh, angels, our fellow travelers. Share with us uh, mm-hmm. why the three different parts real quick. We've got about a minute and a half.
5: Absolutely. The three. It's to show three different aspects that angels play in our lives. Uh, first, they help us to praise God some angels that's their entire function so they are participants in the liturgy with us and they help us to learn how to praise god not just for what he does but more importantly for who he is and what he is and that is something i'm still trying to learn and understand and then we also wanted to emphasize angels as personal companions to show people that you were not created alone god didn't make you forget about you in his completely mindless of you right you were created with the guardian angel and a whole host of angels plus the myriad of saints that pray for you so you're not alone in the spiritual journey
4: nice and that's, that's good, good to, to know hear. good to and hear. that's that's the beauty of our faith as well uh, also uh it, it seems as though there's a piece of music that you like uh or you yes. recommend to play as they read each chapter
5: yes each chapter comes with a piece of music, sometimes even down to the artist, if you would like, mm-hmm. There's, uh, suggesting like Sarah Brightman or someone like that. And that's, i hoping, for all the readers out there, especially this season, we kind of discover the richness of Christian music going back centuries, and I hope this helps as well.
4: Nice. Well, that's great. Nice. Michael, last but not least, what's the big takeaway you hope people get from the book?
5: The biggest takeaway I hope they get is that they are absolutely not alone in this journey. I know, especially with how crazy and chaotic the world is, it can Mm. sometimes feel like God's silence is deafening. But we see through the work of the angels, especially in the saints, we're far from alone.
4: Yes, and it's funny because if we are attuned to our angel, we know when our angel is around, believe it or not. You get to know that. So, Michael Lichens, thank you so much for yeah. uh, enlightening us about this great book, Encounters with Angels, the Invisible Companions of Our Spiritual Life. Go out and get it and start making a friend with an angel today, your guardian <laughs> angel in particular. Have a blessed Christmas. A blessed Christmas to all of you as well. Thank you. Okay. It's 45 after the hour on Wake Up. Stick around. We've got more coming your way.
3: 48 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Gabby Smith and Damian Calado, And right now we're joined with one of my favorite guests that we have on uh, on the Wake Up Show, Father Dwight Longenacker. He's the pastor of Our Lady of the Rosary Church in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, last time we had him on, we were talking about his book about coming into the Catholic faith and becoming a priest. Welcome back, Father Dwight. Thank you very much. Today we're going to be talking about the Secret of Bethlehem Shepherds. Father Dwight, a while back you had also written a book on the uh, Magi, the Mystery of the Magi. Is this is this a follow-up to that or is just a continuation of your research? How did this come about?
1: Yeah, um Good question. Yeah, a couple of years ago I um, did a research on the historical background of the Magi and that led me to be led me to be curious about the shepherds who appear in Luke's gospel. Remember, mm-hmm. yeah. the Christmas story as we usually tell it puts together two different stories, one in Matthew and one in Luke. The shepherds appear in Luke's gospel, the Magi in Matthew's gospel. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, well, I mean, as far
3: as research goes, when when you had how much did you have? Because we only had those two gospels. I mean, how how much more research could you go into, for instance, the magi, or for that matter, the shepherds, that what we're going to be talking about today?
1: Well, there's an awful lot that can be learned um, by studying the biblical scholars, uh, the archaeology the of the time, the history of the time, and so that's what I wanted to dig get into. I wanted to dig in past. A lot of the accumulated Christian traditions and legends, and yeah. uh, the extras that have come into the story to find out what it was really like, and try to put down in a couple of books the historical background, so that Christmas becomes more real for people.
3: We talk about the nativity. We talk about uh, uh, you know, and we have all these beautiful nativity scenes. And in your research, was it like that? Uh, do you know, or or was it was it was it a barn? Was it a Cave, you know, we see all kinds of different types of nativities.
1: Yeah. Um, like a lot of these things, what we have today in our, and what we tell in our Christmas story and in our um, nativity plays and in our uh, creche scenes that we put up in our home, mm-hmm. all of it is rooted in the historical fact of our Lord's birth in Bethlehem, but a lot of the details have morphed and changed and developed and been added to over the centuries. Right, right. Uh, and so if you take, for example the character of the grumpy innkeeper, who appears yeah. in most good Christmas plays. <laughs> uh-huh. um, St. Luke's Gospel is the one that says there was no room for them in the inn.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is the word that, in most of the older English translations, the inn, the word that is translated "in," uh, should actually be uh, guest room. And so um, it's kind of a mistranslation, and that mistranslation comes into our tradition so we imagine a kind of medieval tavern in the old city of Bethlehem. Right. And a grumpy innkeeper wiping his hands on his apron and saying, I'm sorry, there's no room here for you.
3: Yes, yes, um, and a no and vacancy so sign. These, color,
1: a these colorful additions come into the story, but they're not actually part of Luke's Gospel.
3: Okay, all right. Well, what was it? Was it a cave or was it a, a barn?
1: Well, what I discovered was that the homes in, the, um, in a place like Bethlehem mm-hmm were very often very often people lived in the caves okay. the the mountains and the hillsides around that area are soft limestone and there's lots of caves and people lived in actually lived in the caves, but they also built their homes in front of the caves oh simple one or two roomed houses um and they then used the caves for storage and stabling okay so it's very likely that Joseph and Mary turned up in Bethlehem and they visited. They knocked on the door of one of Joseph's relatives. Remember, Bethlehem is Joseph's hometown. Oh, okay. Um, and there's no. And the village is too small to have a tavern or an inn or a hotel. Mm-hmm. So they knocked on the door of one of his relatives, and they say, "I'm sorry, there's no room in the guest room right now because somebody else is occupying it, or it's not a suitable place for, for a woman to give birth." Right. And they say, "But you can use the stable, which would have been the cave behind the <laughs> behind house." Behind the house. Uh, basically. To put it in present-day terms, it would be someone saying, I'm sorry, we don't have room in our guest room right now, but you can you can camp out in the basement if you like. Right, right. Um, so the room that was used for storage and stabling became the, the the place of our Lord's birth. And that would have been a cave. So when people say, was he born in a stable or a cave, we can say he was born in a cave that was being used as a stable.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Mm. So the answer is yes. Yeah. I like that. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Now, now talk about the shepherds themselves. What I have learned and what I've read, because I, I remember digging a little deeper in history, too, that they, they weren't the, uh, the nicest bunch of guys in the world, right? I mean, they were, they were kind of considered low on the totem pole, if you will.
1: Yeah, um, there's two aspects to this. First of all, in the, he, the Jewish Hebrew tradition, there is a high um, regard for shepherds because they are a shepherd people. Uh, Father Abraham was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd, King David was a shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel says um, God himself will come and be the shepherd of his people Israel. Mm -hmm. So there's this great veneration for the image of the shepherd in their history, but certainly at the time of our Lord's birth, shepherds were regarded to be, in actual fact, as you said, pretty low on the social strata. Mm -hmm. They were dealing with feces and blood and animals Therefore, they were considered to be unclean um, and not, not worthy of worshiping in the temple. Also, socially, we know from the records that they had a bad reputation for being thieves, tax avoiders, um, pretty sort of low-working-class, um, scruffy people who were not very respectable.
3: Wow. And yet they were the first to witness the birth of Christ, right?
1: Yes. I should say, however, the shepherds in Bethlehem, we believe, may have been a special kind of shepherd, because there's a detail in the Mishnah, which is a collection of Jewish traditions and customs, Mm -hmm. which says that the animals between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and this is only about five or six miles, the animals in that area should be dedicated for temple worship. In other words, it's very possible that the shepherds on the hills of Bethlehem we're raising the animals that would be used uh, for the sacrifices sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem, about just five miles away.
3: Wow, wow. I wish we had more time to talk, because it, it, it appears, this book, and I highly recommend it. it, it actually puts you at the nativity scene, and I just think that's that's so important, because all the research that you did. Father, where can I get this book?
1: Well, it's available on Amazon, but also I advise people to go to my website, which is Okay, They can... Um, get the book there also i have a special advent offer at the moment um, both of my christmas christmas books the one on the magi and the one on the shepherds are available at a special price oh
3: great fantastic all right well father before we let you go would you give us a prayer or a blessing before we leave
1: I noticed that your program is called Awake, which is especially appropriate for Advent. So we'll pray. Heavenly Father, help all of us to be awake and alert for the coming of your Son. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may we be blessed. Amen.
3: Amen. Father Dwight Longenegger, once again, uh, thank you for joining us and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Wow y'all Amazing. I mean I, I do love these I learned stories a lot. yeah well they put you right there in <laughs> fact in fact I, I know yeah. I was going to ask him you know there's there's um, conflict on when Christ was born some say the spring, mm-hmm. some say no. the winter mm-hmm. but I know that he has proof that this it is around yeah. this time of year
4: I know? got to thinking. Yes. I wonder if any of Very the uh, shepherds were relatives of Joseph. The fact Very that possibly, hometown, possibly Could have been a cousin Never That's right That's right
2: <laughs> Well we are wrapping up this show We're just so grateful That you joined us today Thank you so much For being with us During this hour Special thank you To Jeff Blackwell Our audio director yes. And Karen Cotton Our video technical director For making us look Absolutely amazing On and the air today If you're watching yes. us And listening to us It's because of them <laughs> That you are listening to us <laughs> Thank you both Just for for the absolute tremendous work that you do. We'll catch you back here Monday at 7 a.m. Central Time. We have Nicole Johnson joining us. She's going to be talking about My Christmas Angel, which is an alternative to Elf on the Shelf. Uh-huh. So we can give you more details about there that. You go. Alan Migliorato talks about raising Catholic teens in today's world. And Dr. David Whitten from Franyu and Baton Rouge will join us for some theology. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. God bless.
1: is a production of Catholic Community Media.